Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. folks, and thanks for joining me once again on The Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring Circle of Compassion. To a one, all my shamanic teachers emphasize the importance of maintaining a solid earth connection, walking as brothers and sisters with all creation. Respect, compassion, and equal exchange are core concepts of all shamanic practices. To a one, my teachers express great concern about the future of our world if our current imbalanced lifestyle and disregard of the earth is not corrected. Humankind is living in the illusion of separation, a lonely existence, and a dangerous one. If we feel we're not connected to all that is, we lose compassion for ourselves and the suffering of others. We stagger around doing great harm, not understanding the misery we cause in our unconsciousness. All we need to do is look around and realize the saddest state of affairs has reached critical mass. 
the entire Earth is staggering under the toxic load humans have unwittingly created. We must reestablish our heart connection with our relations, re-enter the circle of compassion before all is lost. When we put down our cell phones and tablets, park our cars, step outside of our dwellings and truly see, the massive suffering our lifestyle is causing becomes obvious. Dying bees, entire species going extinct, homeless on the streets, and children killed by chemical warfare are all grim signs of a system that's failing us. What can we do to correct the situation? How can we hope to turn this mess around in time? Our guest this hour may have some surprising information preserved in myth and legend that can guide us back home. With us is Lee Van Ham, author of From Egos to Eden, Our Heroic Journey to Keep Earth Livable, and co-director of U.S.-Mexico nonprofit Jubilee Economics, focused on One Earth Living. Lee was born to a tenant farming family in Iowa and pastored in the Midwest for 32 years before switching to work explicitly on the interplay between ecology, economics, justice, and spirituality. He and his spouse, Juanita, relocated to Chicago in San Diego in 2002, where they share living with another household. Lee's website, theoneearthproject.org. Lee, thanks so much for joining us on The Science of Magic. It's really quite a pleasure, Gwilda. I'm so glad you uh, found me out there through the great, uh, <laughs> through the great uh, magic of the Internet and uh, that we're connecting today. Yes, it's a pleasure. What prompted your career change from being a pastor for 32 years? Oh, I think the quick answer is having two cancers um, and getting really depressed uh, during the chemotherapy. I had two cancers simultaneously, and mm. um, leading up to that time, I had um, often been, well, I'd been getting more and more attracted to issues of economic justice and economic reform, and um, I would... They, uh, invitations would come across my desk to an event that had to do with economic justice, and I would look at it, and I would think, well, how can I use this in this parish? And, I, I, and I, I'd be stumped. I couldn't really think of how to use it, so I thought, well, then it's not quite right for me to be going to too many of these events if I can't tra- translate them back into my work. So I would lay that piece of mail aside and say, well, someday. Uh, in the depression I had with the two cancers... And I couldn't really put two thoughts together. Uh, My mind was pretty barren. Um, One morning, uh, sitting alone in the living room, um, there was just such a clear sentence that came deep within me. Lee, not someday, but now. Mm. And um, it was so clear and such a contrast to all my other thoughts during those five months that I I didn't argue with it at all. And I knew that I would need to change my direction because, uh, you know, I I had been at the bedside of enough people with cancer who'd say, well, I'm just going to get back to normal. I'm going to beat this thing. We're going going to have to pick up with this on the other side of a quick break. Lee and I will return shortly, so don't (laughs) go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Our current episodes are aired daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. In service to our listeners, prior innovative episodes can always be accessed free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net.
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs, 
songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an eight-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiaka. Our guest this hour is Lee Van Ham, author of From Egos to Eden, Our Heroic Journey to Keep Earth Livable. His website, theoneearthproject.org. Lee, just before we went into our break, you were saying the time is now, not sometime, but now. Would you mind yes, that, finishing that thought? I can finish that thought. Uh, rather quickly, I, I think, you know, you, you push my button on some of these things, Gwilda, and it, and it takes a little while for me to get done. But, um, yes, I, I, in talking with many people with cancer, um, I would also often hear, well, I'm going to beat this, I'm going to get back to normal. And over that time, I thought, no, I don't want to get back to quote-unquote normal. I want to, th- this is a transforming moment in my life. This is going to take me to a different place. So I, I really thought of my my cancers as a, a kind of kiln of transformation. And um, so it was uh, with the help of that one sentence, which I really recognized as a divine voice saying, Lee, not someday, but now, it was I needed to get after the issues at that time as I, I framed them as ecologic, uh, economic justice, but it wasn't long before it became also ecological uh, justice and in interfacing these with spirituality, which... Um, brings me into um, my focus today. Do you see us as, as us being in an environmental crisis, Lee? I do, um, yes. I think that um, uh, we are at a, a, at a huge change in our planet. Uh, I think uh, our planet, you know, I, I, in my book I talk about... Um, some geological understanding that says we're leaving the Cenozoic era. The Cenozoic era is one that we've been in for 66 million years. Mm -hmm. And so leaving the Cenozoic era, and the primary indicator is that uh, the rapid rate of extinctions, these extinctions have um, always preceded a major uh, shift in in the Earth's age and the Earth's configuration of itself. So um, the thought would be then that in the next couple of centuries we are leaving the Cenozoic era and entering into um, a new geological age. So it's important to me to frame it in that kind of geological understanding uh, which rather gets beyond the arguments that are sometimes made well, the changes in the environment are, are, are cyclical. Uh, and, of course, they, there is uh, a great marvelous uh, set of cycles that continue to happen in our oceans and atmospheres and all. But uh, I think what's happening now is is um, a very large um, transformation of the Earth. And so we are in ecological crises because civilization has configured itself uh, 
into structures and systems that do not fit where Earth is heading. Got it. So, biblically speaking, there are myths and legends of great global mm-hmm. catastrophes. Do you think we've been in this situation before in ancient history? Um, I don't think humans have been in quite this situation before. Um, I mean, if you think of our species as, yeah, there's, you know, not complete consensus, but at least let's say our species has been uh, on the planet for a couple hundred thousand years. That uh, is a long time, but it certainly pales next to 66 million of the Cenozoic era. So, um, whereas our species has certainly made many significant adjustments uh, from the glacial age or the, um, yeah, the Pleistocene into the Holocene era and now the Anthropocene, uh, these are are certainly significant adjustments. Um, this one is is bigger, and, and that's why Thomas Berry wrote this book, The Great Work, because he saw that what we are doing now is something beyond what um, our species has yet had to face. What do you think the changes in our species are going to look like? <clears throat> oh, wow. Yes, um, that question really, really urges us to use our imaginations, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so how do we look with our with our inner eye, our third eye, or whatever we want to call it? What are the images that come forth? You know, when right now at this moment, the image that's in front of me is the cover of a National Geographic magazine, which I I think, like a number of of sources, suggest that uh, the the new human uh, I don't know, a sort of a bionic component. Um, and I I I'm not a attracted to that. I, I think the richness of humanness is not in the direction of, of technologizing the human being and the human spirit. I think it has to do rather with, with a shift in our consciousness that um, uh, allows humanness to be recognized as, as, as a treasure we haven't yet fully um, uh, evolved into and haven't fully appreciated uh, as, a, as a species. I think certainly some individuals have certainly pressed into where the new human goes. But uh, I think, too, that the religious traditions of the world speak a lot of the new human. I think uh, psychologists such as Carl Jung certainly had a sense of where the new human goes. And I think it has to do with a consciousness that finds a capacity to live in harmony with all the beings of creation, and that uh, it's not an ego-held consciousness or ego-controlled consciousness, but it's out of a deeper center of identity in all of us that religions named differently. Carl Jung called it the self, uh, using more scientific language. Uh, but I, I think that's where I that's where I see the reinvention of the human, if you will, or the metamorphosis of the human going. It's certainly the direction I. Uh, I very much want to go uh, further in myself. So much more multidimensionality um, and a spiritual aspect as well as just being related to the physical mechanical? Uh, yes, I, I yes. Uh, well said. I think the spiritual um, is finding its way back into how we understand ourselves uh, in the world, how we understand human nature, if you will. Um, we are, I believe, as as your 
work um, has shown for in so many ways too is we are um, coming to a place where where the scientific which we value highly is um, coming into a new partnership with that which goes beyond science and or I don't know if that's the right language but comes from a different place than science and science for all of its great values isn't quite the end all of everything and so there's this other uh, work too which which we have long understood this other way of knowing which we've long uh, used the word spiritual for and I believe that the spiritual is, in fact, coming into new acceptance as we appreciate more and more the mystery, the profound mystery of, of our of our universe and uh, and of, uh, of the human being and of the interconnected community of life on our planet. And it's just a matter of science getting their instrumentation getting uh, refined enough to measure what's already there. I believe so. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, if, if you can measure it, then it suddenly exists scientifically. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. you speak of a civilizational crisis. Would you explain what that is? Yeah, I think it's not just a matter of an ecological crisis. I uh, I think uh, I think our civilization is uh, in crisis. I I, I speak in in. The book from Egos to Eden. Uh, I, I tend to call civilization a project. Uh, it helped me to think about it uh, because otherwise, the history of civilization became synonymous with the history of 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 the human species, and I, I just that isn't helpful to to me to think of it that way because the history of the human species has, by and large. Uh, been a history, a story in which our species has lived with a great deal of close connection with the earth, with its biota, with it, with it, the atmosphere, and a deep sense of of the of the creational nature of it. Um, it's really only been about twelve thousand twelve thousand years ago. Some would say ten, where the this this human idea sprang from that says, hey, we can do better than what we've done. And, and we, the, the effort intensified to tame creation, to civilize it, to, to um, tame the wild. Um, the, the, the very word civilization connotes to me that people were looking at it and saying, hey, we can, we can do better and what the conquer, wild, what the conquer nature, and, conquer and control, us. right? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and and of course, that's a very ego way of looking at things. Um, so I think that um, that we've been working at this civilization project. We see what it brings us, and it and and uh, it brings us many many things. But now we also see its limits. And um, and Earth bats last to, to quote kind of a trite. Uh, metaphor on this, but the idea is that, that you know, that the way Earth functions, uh, civilization has found itself um, separated from it. And so that creates an incredible crisis of the structures of economics, of education, of, of finance, of agriculture, of health. Uh, in every sector of our lives, uh, civilization is, is working at a, at a disconnected place from uh, that very thing, that very rich um, 
uh, substance of life that is uh, rooted, uh, that, that, that our planet gives to us. So uh, instead of following the trajectory of the evolutionary nature of our planet and, and loving it and, and just, just seeing its abundance and richness, um, 10, 12,000 years ago, we started another way which we have renewed uh, with every generation. That is, hey, we can do it better than that. Yeah, uh, who's, so, on the, who's on the losing end of that equation, right? Well, yes. <laughs> I, think, yes. I think life's bigger than we are. <laughs> yeah, see, exactly. So, the, 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 yeah, it's very egoistic. It's very, <clears throat> very um, great deal of, of hubris or pride in all of that and arrogance and uh, ruthlessness, really. Um, so, it's setting up a fair uh, amount of friction too, isn't it? Because we're moving against the way life works. Well, exactly, and and because we're doing that, uh, the sharing dimension, which is just endemic, pandemic throughout all of creation, uh, not always. It's not always without some violence, but the sharing is nonetheless there, and um, that's. You know, in, in civilization, I mean, it's the, the history of civilization is a history of incredible conflict, not only between the human species, the homo sapiens species, but also uh, with the homo sapiens species and all of creation. Um, and it's like we're so, living in opposition to everything else, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very oppositional, very oppositional as, as, as ego seeks to control and uh, dominate. Well, we're going to have to take another quick break. I'm really excited to pick up with this on the other side. Lee and I will return to our discussion on the other side of the break, so don't go away. We're coming to you through the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic, your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, starwalkervisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, 
at WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our special guest this hour is Lee Van Ham, author of From Egos to Eden, Our Heroic Journey to Keep the Earth Livable. His website, theoneearthproject.org. Lee, what exactly is... Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. 
Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Is one earth living? Yes, I think um, here again we we need the power of imagination. Uh, I think we have deep within us a knowledge of it. I really think that's where um, such things as the archetype of the garden, which in Jewish and Christian tradition gets translated into Eden, comes from. Uh, I, I think there's within uh, the human soul this <clears throat> this notion uh, of a world in which there is there is harmony, and I don't think it's there just because um, uh, it's there to tease us or to give us an impossible ideal. Uh, there is a certain amount of impossibility, I guess, always to to our, our fantasy. But I think it's there as a motivational um, uh, uh, energy and potential and structure for for how to shape living. So. One Earth Living is a contrast to multi-Earth Living. I think that's an, another important way to talk about it. Multi-Earth Living is essentially what civilization has given us. Civilization has given us a, a set of structures and systems that we now realize so clearly require more than what our planet gives. The ecological footprint that the globe is operating on right now is about one and a half planets. That includes everybody, rich and poor. Um, in the U.S., it's more like four to five planets if everybody were to live at the standard of living that is average in our, our country. So we realize that that the civilizational project has given us uh, a multi-Earth way, a supersized way of living that doesn't fit on our planet. Now, what do we call the opposite to that? Well, uh, my, I call it one Earth living. There are different words but I just decided that it was, um, it, it just made lots of sense to me when I started using this terminology. You say, okay, this is multi-earth, and I created, you know, made that one word, and then there's one earth and made that one word. I'm certainly not the only one to do that, but um, it, uh, it it was new to me when I thought of it, so uh, it was only <laughs> later that I discovered other people, oh, yeah, well, and how often um, we've discovered that, that that when we have a have a thought that's new to us, it isn't really new new to everyone, but well, it just we reach, shows we reach cultural base so that we everybody comes up with something similar at the same time. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and so it's just great that we're it shows our, our our connectivity even when we're not fully conscious of it. So uh, one earth one earth living then is um, is, is well, let's say it another, Thomas Berry talked about. If we're coming to the end of the Cenozoic era, what is the next era? You know, is it better? Is it worse? What is it? And he and he said he wanted to call it the Ecozoic era. He and Brian <laughs> Swim, another mm-hmm. person, call it that. It, this is this is the not the Cenozoic, but the Ecozoic. It's not just the era of mammals, but it's the era when there's era when there's an, uh, there's a harmony of of all all of life. Living uh, in in a Z, an ecozoic uh, era where where interdependence is recognized as the treasure that it is, and we uh, we recognize that as humans with psychological and spiritual work, we can dethrone our egos, which are actually confining and restrictive, uh, though they resist being dethroned enormously. We can do it. Be- uh, and we can move, we can transcend that, we can enthrone another center of identity 
uh, which, uh, as I mentioned before, Jung called it the self, but it, it, it's another center of identity in our souls that, that religions all have different names for, whether we call it the Buddha, the Christ, or, or um, many, many others, depending on the religious tradition and culture. Don't you believe as we come as we come out of that um, ego centered place and move more into unity that the natural result will be uh, an ecological approach to life? I do. I, I think I, I, th- I think that's exactly right. Uh, well, I, I don't. I think I think what happens it's it, we get to a place in consciousness where we say, "What we used to want to think live that way," which we <laughs> which do in our lives anyway. You know, at age forty, we look what I used to think that was good at, at age uh, a decade ago or whatever. And or, and if we certainly if we have any kind of of spiritual epiphany, uh, we. Not that we we suddenly live with great perfection, but we look at an earlier way of consciousness, and we know we can't live that way anymore. We we are in some capacity changed uh, forever, and I I think that as we move into the topography of spiritual consciousness more fully, uh, we'll just look at some of the civilization project and the eco. Uh, pardon me, the ego centered nature of living and 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 multi-earth living will say oh i can't do that anymore that just that isn't that isn't it's just not working <laughs> so exactly have, it's, it's sort of impoverished you know yeah so if, if we're looking at the the eden analogy um mm-hmm. also there was the fall it, mm-hmm. are we viewing eden as unity and um synergy and the fall as when we decided we had a better idea Mm-hmm. Yeah, v- very much so. I I, um, I intentionally used Eden. I, I really struggled with that one, whether I was going to use this mythology, because I think in the story of civilization, Eden is almost universally connected with the... the um, decline of uh, a, a low view of human nature, that um, greed and... Um, pride and um, wanting to control, take over, and we really can't uh, get past that. Uh, That, I believe, is a really uh, very incorrect telling of the Eden myth. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to risk it. I'm going to see, I'm going to put forth my best effort to talk about the Eden mythology in a different way. So what I really think the Eden mythology and the and the book of Genesis in which it's in, I really think that it was a uh, protest of the Neolithic Revolution, which is really the revolution that started the civilization project in earnest. And it, it developed city-states that were imperial, and from there to nation-states finally, some uh, millennia or so later. And so I, I think I think the, the folks who were writing... Um, uh, putting, finally putting the story of Eden, I don't, I don't know how long it was told orally before it was put into writing, but, but right. they, were, they were protesting this, this thing they saw happening in the Neolithic Revolution. Despite all the good things that were also a part of it, they just saw something, a great loss happening, a great, a great fall happening, if you will, and, and that there was a separation uh, from the Edenic way and uh, that it was a very serious thing. So I think they were really protesting that. Yeah, so that's eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is making up our own rules rather than following the rules of nature. There you go. Yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly. Could you speak to the interplay between ecology, economics, justice, and spirituality? <laughs> There's a big one for you. <laughs> after, yeah, after all, if that's what I claim I'm doing, can I speak to it, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, well, I think, you know, there is, the, just to use, to take two of them at, for a moment, ecology and economics. There certainly is a field now of, of ecological economics. Uh, a year and a half ago, I was at a conference where there was a whole track during the conference in which people were meeting to um, really explore and share thought around ecological economics. What does an economy look like that has... Uh, great sensitivity to the planet and the species that looks at uh, much more than than financial profit as a measure of strength of economics. So I'm very interested in how ecology and economics work together and uh, uh, just so appreciate the work of well, Hazel Henderson is on my mind because in another part of my life I we just did a podcast with with her, and she she has just spent a lifetime showing how economics can uh, work. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be this this profit driven um, uh, set of structures that gets us farther and farther disconnected from Earth and life. So that's a, that's a great interest of mine, and I, I believe that uh, that we have many personal disciplines that we can do that are really very enriching. I often talk about learning, learn, retraining ourselves to live in the abundance of, uh, of Earth's enough, that Earth clearly has limits. We can't talk about unlimited growth. That, that's really quite nonsense, uh, quite a nonsensical way of talking when we live on a planet with limits. So what, what Nonetheless, Earth is abundant. So how do we share in the abundance, not just as humans, but with all of, all of creation? So that, to me, is, is, is a great interest, ecological and economics. And then um, those relationships that evolve are more just. Um, and also, I, just to bring in the spirituality, I feel like we get, we get to this place of really putting economics inside of the creational order or the natural world, the natural capital of the world, by uh, that, that spiritual, psycho-spiritual process of, of working with our own egos, of, getting, of dethroning the ego and enthroning uh, the, the greater self and the consciousness into which it takes us. And once again, in that consciousness, we see a, a we see opportunities, we see possibilities for uh, the interface of ecologic, ecology and economics that we simply didn't see from ego consciousness. It's so simple. It seems like, you know, I've, I've always been fascinated with the older ways of being on the planet. Um, mm -hmm. Root cellars and mm -hmm. uh, ice houses and that sort mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm, mm -hmm. I've actually sold everything I had and, and built a, a off-grid uh, passive solar and active solar home and it's very small and I'm in the middle of nowhere around the mountains but okay. the the light wakes me up the the well provides the water the everything being solar you're working with the way life works and I find my health and my well-being has just in the last two years increased exponentially um, mm -hmm. and so we've really stepped out of the economical way of being haven't we yes. we work against yes. ourselves 
Yeah. Uh, again, I, I, I think that's really well said. I mean, nature has, I mean, we talk about biomimicry and usually biomimicry means, oh, we make a product that copies nature's way. But I think what I just, what I heard you saying, what you, what, what your little uh, quick vignette of a story there from your own life, which I appreciated, has me saying, oh, Gwilda's trying to mimic in her whole economic way of life. She's trying to mimic creation. And, and that's where I, where I feel, you know, we need to be with our economic model. It, it isn't, the, the model of, of, of a growth economy doesn't mimic creation. Create, and nature grows in some places, but then it contracts in others. And so the idea that we can just grow, 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 grow uh, doesn't at all copy nature. So we need to practice biomimicry uh, in our economics, copying nature, and uh, then the, the kind of well-being and richness that you were just describing, including personal health, I think uh, is, is the expected result. It's a natural result. Well, we're going to have to take another quick break. Okay. So, Lee, you and I will be back shortly. Folks, right. don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric, working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. Join our email family to receive our amazing topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. 
No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? Email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a guest or a topic that's on your mind. You're probably not the only one that wants to hear about it. Again, our guest this hour is Lee Van Ham, author of From Egos to Eden. His website, theoneearthproject.org. You speak of being on a heroic journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee, <laughs> mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? Right. Um, oh, I, I, I'm glad we're getting to this question because, in some ways, I feel like it's um, it's a little bit of a unique framework uh, to look at our ecological and civilizational crisis. I believe uh, it was Joseph Campbell who discerned that in some of the great, great stories there is. Um, a recurring storyline, and he called it the hero's journey. Um, then um, Christopher Vogler uh, has really popularized that psalm, and he, he became a consultant using Joseph Campbell's model, became a consultant to um, movie makers and, and, and uh, film writers. Uh, for, so, for example, um, we get... Uh, 
the Lion King and and um, the um, let's see the Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm trying to remember the, some of the movies that Christo- Christopher Vogler has um, worked on, but he helped them deepen their stories by uh, looking at the hero's journey. Now I I, I I've called it the heroic journey. I, I, I uh, partly to get past the gender, but partly. Um, uh, and I'm not trying to say that the journey is exactly the same for all for both genders, but uh, there is a sense I think in which the masculine and the feminine in each in each of us is 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 absolutely essential for this for this journey, and and you know the heroic journey like if you if you take Homer's work, uh, you know uh, centuries ago, the hero the 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 heroic uh, the one who's completed the heroic journey returns home changed. So you get the kind of thing where T.S. Eliot wrote in, in uh, his four quartets, you know, all of life is a journey, and the end of it is at the beginning. We return to the place from which we began and we see it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. and uh, also the heroic journey is such in which the the world you leave is a world that you realize is in deep, deep stress, and and for whatever reason you're you're called to the adventure of finding um, the the elixir the treasure the, whatever it is that can bring healing. Uh, it seems to me that we are now all called to this kind of a task, and we are to go on that journey. And it invariably means going into the underworld. This is not just some kind of rational endeavor that we can make. And and it and it and all along the journey is like, man, this thing is bigger than I am. How am I even how am I even involved in this? Uh I can't do this. And then an allies Whose idea come, was this, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then allies come along out of nowhere. So grace grace uh, comes comes in through through people or experiences or whatever. And uh then we can go a little bit further and I know, and we get into we get into the the underworld is really the unconscious, the dark side. As I mean, I think Star Wars has uh, really helped bring into popular culture the whole notion of the dark side and the encounter with the dark side, the encounter with the unconscious. Uh, George Lucas worked closely with with Joseph Campbell in in producing uh, some of these. Uh, this new mythology. I think he really wants to create an, a, a mythology for the 21st century, and and so I think I, I think it's not just for George Lucas and a few people who understand this. I think all of us can hear within our souls the call to the heroic journey. We no, can turn. No, that's from- amazing. Yeah, that's amazing to me because that exactly what you're talking about exists in every shamanic culture on the planet, and okay. every every uh, medicine person has to go mm. on that journey. Mm-hmm. to rediscover themselves, to uncover their shadow so it's not working against mm-hmm. them. We're mm-hmm. being called back to our roots in a lot of ways, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, this, we, it's, it's so true. I think that, that, that same voice that was saying, Lee, not someday but now, you know, is the kind of voice that, that when we tune in, and sometimes we tune in, as in my case, I, I wasn't tuning into that, except through the the kiln of transformation that my two cancers were. So sometimes it comes through deep illness. Sometimes it comes through falling in a deep love. I mean, it comes in a variety of ways, but our consciousness shifts. We hear that call, and we know we can't keep living life the way we were. And I think that's where we are today. We see what's happening in the climate. We see what's happening in our civilization. We 
if we're at all tuning in within ourselves, we don't just see the external, but we hear and sense the internal, and and we are being called to this to this journey, which is going to take us into the unconscious. We're going to look at the dark side of civilization, the dark side of ourselves, and there we will find the treasure of interconnectedness that uh, we've lost through the disconnection of the civilization project and the and, and the disconnection of of uh, ego control in our lives. We reconnect with that, and that is that is a profoundly spiritual um, uh, transformation and metamorphosis that happens, and, and that's that's the heroic the heroic journey. Um, but this journey ends up back at home. Explain that one. Yeah, in in a sense, I mean that's that's, and yet you don't recognize home. But you know, and, and it's, it, it works because because uh, this journey isn't going to take us off the planet. Uh, I mean, there are mythologies that talk about leaving the planet in in various ways, but my sense is that th- that this journey uh, we're still returned to our planetary home. In and but the consciousness has shifted so greatly that we see our planet differently, and we see so we see our home differently, and we want to live in our home with a more profound love than we've ever had for her before. I mean, it really is a sweetness to our home and the home sweet home uh, uh, expression, which is, is which is tried on the one hand, but but what, when we when we um, what and I can't I, I don't want to claim that I've completed the heroic journey. I mean, I, I don't I don't exactly know where I am on the heroic journey myself, but but I I know that um my consciousness does continue to change. I do see things differently. I don't even know that our lives are just one journey. You know, maybe they're multiple ones. I, I don't know how to think about all of those things. But but we do come to a place of where our consciousness is, is larger than what the ego could ever control. We're open to new influences. We're open to a sense of mystery that comes to us from beyond and from deep within, from among other people, from other species, and there is a, a kind of uh, consciousness of interconnected living in the community of life that is our planet that we just didn't have before we began this journey. You know, but to be the devil's advocate, <laughs> sure. the, shadows, the shadow side of humanity seems so large. What's mm. it going to take to move beyond it? Yeah. Yeah, and, and of course, we, well, there's two things. My, uh, the way I understand the shadow, Gwilda, uh, one is I, I don't want to move beyond it. I mean, I don't think I can, uh, but I do think I can continually become more conscious of it. Uh, and and the, the, the shadow side has great resources and energies that I need. I mean, it's a paradox. Uh, on the one hand, the, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to be engulfed by the dark side. Um, and become a bully or, or someone who's, who's, uh, who's an abdicator when I'm supposed to step up and be responsible and all the other things that can happen through uh, being taken over by the dark side as we see in, uh, in uh, Darth Vader and all. But um, I, I, I want as much of the dark side to bring brought to the light as possible. And in that process, which Lots of times isn't very pleasant, is it? But in that process, um, I do uh, find new energies and strengths that I never had before, and that's how so, my consciousness grows. So it's more of the denial of the dark than trying to abolish it that's the problem. Um, I, I think I think that's right. I don't, I'm not trying to get rid of it. I, I don't I don't think it's possible because 
I mean, how, how do we ever come, come, come to complete consciousness, right? As soon as my consciousness grows, there's more unconsciousness at the edge. So, <laughs> exactly. so It's an ongoing project. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and that's kind of the beauty of it, you know. I mean, what is, it's just, it, it is. Just a, we have just a little bit of time left. What can you tell us is the single most important thing every individual can do to help create a world beyond our current crisis? Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I just heard a climate scientist talk about this, uh, and that very question came up, and he said, find allies. Mm. Find allies. Find people who will go this journey with you. Uh, and and that, that has made such an impression on my mind. I don't know if I can get beyond that in our conversation right now. Um, powerful statement. But it is, isn't it? it? It's like we're not going to do this thing alone. Uh, and, and of course, we, we have to overcome the incredible disconnection we have just between people. And, and the, ally, the, the ally might also be, you know, some of the allies may be the birds who come to your, to your yeah. patio or front window or whatever. Exactly, uh, the earth itself, spirit, exa- allies. Exactly. All of our exactly. relations. Our allies aren't exactly. Our allies are not just Homo sapiens, but uh, mm. but but it's reconnecting with all and 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 bonding, sensing, and finding that we can that there's great love. And you know, I I feel animals are trying to love us. Time That's, is flying, and we're out okay. of it. Lee, thank you so much okay. for being on our program. Let's do it again. It's Just fun. do thank it again. <laughs> our guest this hour has been Lee Van Ham, author from Egos to Eden. Our heroic journey to keep the earth livable, and co-creator of U.S. Mexico nonprofit Jubilee Economics, focused on one Earth living. His website, theoneearthproject.org. This has been the Science of Magic. You can always listen to prior innovative episodes on thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comfort with love as you re-enter the circle of compassion. Oh,